The Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by DraftKings.com. Use code SGP and enter the all-new single-game showdown contest this Thursday to compete for a $1 million top prize in the NBA Finals. That's code SGP to compete for the $1 million top prize exclusively at DraftKings. Anthony Joshua is big, strong, and experienced. He was viewed as the next Lennox Lewis. He's the best finisher in the game. He's the biggest boxing attraction in all of Europe. He's the total package. In order to be recognized as a world champion, you have to be recognized in America. In boxing, they say there's no place to hide. That's what I'm going to find out. Well, they say there's no place to hide, but somehow Anthony Joshua, Dante Wilder and Tyson Fury all seem to be avoiding each other month after month. And they seem set to continue to avoid each other throughout 2019 and probably well into 2020 as the three top heavyweights in boxing continue to fail to fight against each other. And all three continue to remain unbeaten as they beat the tomato cans that are pretty much put in front of them. The, the Tyson Fury fight in two weeks time is an absolute joke. And, um, I haven't got too much good to say about this Anthony Joshua fight either. We only need to look at at Ruiz and see the state of this guy. Yeah, he comes into this fight with 32 wins and one defeat, but he in, in himself has probably been fighting against tomato cans. There isn't really a major recognized opponent on the record here. Granted that uh, Ruiz was a last minute replacement for Jared Miller, but even in saying that, who did Jared Miller ever beat to get into the ring with Anthony Joshua? What this was, was a PR stunt for Anthony Joshua to make his debut in America so that the Americans could see Joshua up close and personal, so they could recognize him, so they could earn some respect for him, so they could see who this guy was that was holding the, the three heavyweight titles, so that they could sell the fight here in the US, the Anthony Joshua, Dante Wilder fight, because at the moment, Joshua, uh, Dante Wilder is the main known entity stateside, and Anthony Joshua, despite the fact that he has three world titles, is a bit of an unknown. And even Dante Wilder himself isn't a major attraction because he hasn't unified these titles, and, and maybe when he does, that will be the significant thing required for Wilder to be put on the map. When Wilder fought Tyson Fury last year, a lot of people were under the sort of misguided opinion that Wilder lost that fight. But I've spoke about it here before. It's very difficult to lose a fight with two knockdowns. That would mean that you have to clearly lose eight rounds of the fight. I don't think Dante Wilder did that. I think he's become the victim of popular opinion where a lot of people are turning around and saying he was lucky. He, he wasn't lucky. Stylistically, that's what Wilder's all about. He's always looking to land a big shot. Last time against Dominic Brazil, we predicted, correctly predicted a knockout for Wilder. And he managed to land that shot 
within the first three minutes he got a one round KO against a competent opponent far more competent than who Anthony Joshua is fighting this weekend although Joshua himself has also fought Brazili but it took him seven rounds to get him out of it and again that leads credit to my theory that Dante Wilder will stop Anthony Joshua inside five rounds if those guys actually did take the fight Tyson Fury is the difficult one he's the unknown entity in this triangle nobody quite knows how to get that guy out of there he's obviously a technical pugilist which is very odd given the the size and and stature of the guy and um, the way he talks and the way he conducts himself you wouldn't think that you would have this fine high quality boxer but that's actually what you have in Tyson Fury and uh, as I said, he's the unknown quantity here. The, the guy looking just on the outside is Dylan White. I think the most likely fight that you may get first is, is Fury versus White because White is a little bit of a free agent, whereas the other two guys, you have Anthony Joshua tied to Dan's and Sky Sports in the UK. He had Tyson Fury tied to BT Sports in the UK, and I believe that he has a deal there with ESPN, whereas uh, Dante Wilder is signed to Showtime, and he fights in Sky in the UK. So there is a possibility. The UK side of things is wide open for the Wilder-Joshua fight. It's just whether a case of Showtime and Dance can get their act together. And what would have really been good is if... um, Wilder had signed with Dan's, but he turned them down. Um, it looked like that was going to happen at one point, but but it didn't. And that would have pretty much set the wheels in motion for this fight to happen. But as things stand, I think we're going to see a few more tomato cans in the way. Um, the only guy, I will say, who isn't, who is, is a bit unfair to say tomato cans, it's, um, it is Wilder. Brazili was the mandatory contender. Um, if he takes a rematch against Luis Ortiz, I think that's fair because Luis Ortiz did give Wilder some trouble. And um, if that is his next fight, um, I do think that that is fair enough. I think Anthony Joshua is the one who's really taking the the weakest opponents. I, I don't think much of the Fury's opponent next in the, in the next couple of weeks either when he fights Schwartzman, but at least Tyson Fury fought Dante Wilder after just having two comeback fights. He he put himself back on the map when he recovered from that shot from Dante Wilder and got himself off the mat. So just because he's gone back and taken an easy fight, you can't accuse him of, of being a guy who constantly takes these easy tomato can fights. Joshua is. Joshua hasn't taken a tough fight in my opinion, in his entire career. I think timing-wise, taking on Joseph Parker, even though that's stylistically a very favorable fight for Joshua, at least it was an opportunity to to take another title. At least um, Joshua Parker at the time, Joseph Parker, sorry, was somebody who... um, who was who was ranked? Who had a title? It was a fight that that Joshua needed to take, and in that fight, Joshua only won on points anyway. But at least that was a, a credible fight. Everybody else has been pretty much a guaranteed win. Taking Klitschko when he's mentally destroyed off the back of a. A, a shocking loss to, to Tyson Fury isn't a major victory in my opinion, and he still had a lot of trouble with him. He didn't have trouble necessarily with with Dominic Brazili, but 
he did take seven rounds to get him out of there. He had um, he had a lot of trouble with with Dylan White. At times, Dylan White troubled him in the fight, but that was very early on in in White's career. White's a much better fighter now, and you can see that Anthony Joshua isn't really taking that fight. He he claims that. Everybody was offered this fight to replace Jared Miller on June 1st. And I believe him. I also believe that a lot of people were offered uh, the chance to fight him at Wembley Stadium on April the 13th. Another fight that was cancelled, another date that was cancelled. However, there's a difference between being offered the fight and being really offered the fight. In terms of, if they were offered low ball offers that promoter Eddie Hearn realistically knew that none of these guys were gonna take, then it wasn't really an offer, was it? When, if I turn around and walk up to you and offer you 25% of what you usually get to do your job, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do it for 25% of what it's actually worth? Are you going to allow Anthony Joshua to take 95% of the gate? Because I'm telling you, that was what it's being reported to some of the offers were. 95% offers. In Dylan White's case, 90-10 split. Um, in Dante Wilder's case, it's been offered to be 70-30. Dante Wilder's not going to do that for 70-30, and I, and I wouldn't either. I understand that if the fight is going to take place in England where Anthony Joshua is already selling out Wembley Stadium pretty much no matter who you fight against him, um, I can understand there being at least a 60-40 split with, with Dante Wilder. But I don't think if one guy's bringing in a world title into the equation that that's the case. I mean, Dante Wilder is a much, much bigger name than Joshua Parker. If just because there was may have been an 80-20 or 70-30 split with Parker doesn't mean that that's going to happen with, with Wilder. So I think although there probably has been offers and that probably isn't a lie, I think that everybody has been lowballed on this occasion by Eddie Hearn, who's just keeping his champion or his paper champion quite sweet. And um, I think it's time now that, that all these guys fought each other. And to their credit, Wilder and Tyson Fury have fought each other. And it does seem like Dante Wilder is the one who's willing to fight the most people. Um, and it's, obviously that fight ended up as a draw. It was almost null and void. Um, people will argue that Wilder got the better of the fight because he knocked him down twice and and Fury pulled up a miracle to get off the mat. Some will argue that Fury won the fight, but you know, they're making the clueless argument to say that he clearly dominated that fight and, and won eight rounds of of the fight, which which I didn't I didn't see that. Um there's also talk of um in order to keep these three away from each other of um Vladimir Kitschko making a comeback in his forties. I mean that's just we're just talking stupidness here. Like there should be some kind of sanction. This is the only sport that has it where people can readily avoid each other and um and, and and not make the fights that people want. It doesn't happen in UFC. UFC, we don't have this issue whatsoever. Everybody has to fight everybody. Um that's that's the re that's the good thing about having somebody like Dana White in control of the whole situation. UFC in itself is a monopoly. I realize that we have Bellator, but 
there's a very there's a very clear one and two. The top guys go and fight in the UFC. It is the number one organization. There is no clamoring for this guy from Bellator to fight this guy from UFC. And is it in a conversation? I don't think there's been that type of conversation since way back when we were talking about Cyborg versus Ronda Rousey, a fight that that never actually happened. But what we did end up getting was Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes and, and Cyborg. Cyborg got the shit kicked out of her. So we we don't have that. We don't have that in soccer. We don't have that in NFL. We don't have that in tennis. Uh, we don't have that in anything. The best take on the best. And this is the only sport where they can avoid each other. And it's becoming embarrassing when we, we can't get governing bodies together to, to take a stand and where TV deals pretty much rule all um, I'm in complete disagreement with it and, and I think if this continues to, to happen that something will need to be done because it's not really happening at um, just it's not just happening at heavyweight, heavyweight. There's, there's complaints throughout the sport there, there's fights that are not happening Terence Crawford against Errol Spence is a fight a lot of people want to see and they are two unbeaten fighters and they're being kept apart as well and that essentially could be an even bigger fight. That's a fight that interests me almost even almost even more than um, than the Joshua Wilder fight from a, from a technical standpoint because it will crown the number one outright boxer in the world. The pound for pound number one, I believe, will be crowned from that fight because I do think that there's nobody that can really compete with Lamachenko. Although Lamachenko is a completely class fighter. Um, He's never really been challenged, and, and I can't see anybody at that lower on that at those lower weights that's really going to stand up and pose a, a great challenge for Lamachenko. Um, Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez has has seemingly beaten his his biggest rival when he got that victory over Triple G. But there's been a lot of skepticism and, and debate about whether he actually won the second fight and and whether he got really the whether the the first fight was scored favorably for Canelo to even get a draw a lot of guys had Triple G winning there's no unanimous victory for Canelo and that's why that debate is going to go on and on and on until they fight again until there is a convincing winner in the Triple G Canelo series it's going to continue on there certainly will be a third fight at the moment there's one draw and uh, one disputable win for Canelo in in that's why I'm talking about that. Uh, we will be reviewing the Triple G fight next week. So as we um, look at the betting elements of this of this show, there is a boxing card this weekend. It does feature Anthony Joshua against Ruiz Jr. Um, next week, as I said, there'll be a Triple G fight. And um, also on this podcast, we are going to look at the, the UFC as well. There's a UFC card this weekend from Stockholm. But we'll start with our boxing and um, we'll look at this um, Anthony Joshua fight against Ruiz where Anthony Joshua is pretty much unbackable at this point. He is a 1 to 33 favorite. He's 1 to 6 to win by knockout. He's 4 to 1 to win by decision. Andy Ruiz Jr is 12 to 1 to win the fight, 25 to 1 by knockout, 20 to 1 by by decision. Um I don't see this fight going too long. Um He's not a late, late replacement, but he is still a replacement. It does seem like this is a a money fight for Ruiz. He's very lucky to be here. I don't know where he was on the list or the conversation to to ever step foot in a ring with, with Anthony Joshua. And there is a lot of heavy criticism for this fight even happening. It's not like 
this has been widely embraced. In fact, I saw something on, on ESPN where Anthony Joshua was quite clearly confronted on, on ESPN first take where they were speaking to him and said quite openly, uh, these are the comments from Wilder. These are the comments from Joshua. Uh, the public don't really want to see this fight this weekend and we want to see these other fights instead. And I will play that audio for you once we finish covering the boxing just before we move on to UFC. I will play that entire clip for you from first take because it's very, very interesting how Joshua was literally confronted on the spot here. Um, and uh, and yeah, you can hear his response as well. Um, moving on, so we're going to look at the, the odds of the fight. Um, and I like Anthony Joshua to win this one early. Um, not too early. I mean, the rounds one to three is two to one. Rounds four to six is five to two. Round seven to nine is three to one in the round group betting. If you widen those rounds, you can go to group betting B, which is Joshua at one in rounds one to four at 11 to eight. Joshua in rounds five to eight at 15 to eight. And uh, Joshua around nine to 12 at five to one. But if you widen them even more, you go to my favorite markets where... I've um, I've been quite good at this one over the years. It's the rounds one to six, all the rounds seven to twelve, and Joshua to win it in rounds one to six is ten to eleven, and round seven to twelve is two to one. Now, the Dante Wilder fight finished quite comfortably inside the one to six bracket, um, quite obviously because it finished in round one. I think Anthony Joshua will be looking at that and wanting to make a statement, especially seeing as. Um, Brazilia was a common opponent that Wilder pretty much dismantled in, in one round with one punch pretty much as well. Although he was dominant in periods of that fight um, where Brazilia looked in trouble early on, it was actually just a one-punch knockout. And that is why Wilder is, for me, the undisputed number one heavyweight in the world because of that one-punch power. That is what heavyweight boxing is all about. Anthony Joshua doesn't really possess that. He hasn't knocked out an opponent for for quite a few years now. Um, he's he's had some stoppages, yeah, of course he has. He stops opponents, but he's more of a relentless star where he lands a, a lot of shots, puts him puts him under a lot of pressure. Where referees will often come in and and can't see a reason for the fight to continue, and we normally see a stoppage. But he doesn't possess that unbelievable one punch knockout power but I'm expecting a another TKO here but as I said that's unbackable Joshua to win is unbackable one to 33 Joshua knockout one to six is also unbackable but Joshua is backable here in the rounds one to six market in the group round betting market at round one to six and that's available at 10 to 11 minus 110 as I said and I think that would be the safest bet here for this fight I, I cannot see um, Ruiz getting to the second half of the fight he looks out of shape he looks slow on his feet um, I don't know why he's here I don't know how he's got this fight I don't know how he has 32 wins um, if Anthony Joshua doesn't dispose of an opponent like that inside four or five rounds it will be a very disappointing US debut and that will just add to the overall disappointment of this entire PR stunt which was supposed to introduce Anthony Joshua to the US fans and show everybody who this um, this three belt champion was and who and try and build hype for this 
wilder fight, which will inevitably have to happen, providing these two men can avoid being knocked out by somebody. And as I said, Wilder is taking the riskier fights, but I don't think there's any risk for Joshua here. And um, in order for this PR stunt not to get any worse than it already has done, and for him to restore some credibility, um, he will have to win this one in inside four or five. That's why I think rounds one to six or 10 to 11 is the safest bet. Moving on, we're going to cover uh, three more fights here. Um, Britain's Callum Smith is going across the pond to to fight on this card, and he's fighting against Hassan and Najam. And uh, he's also a one to thirty three favourite. And Hassan and Najam is twelve to one. Um, it's one to four Callum Smith by knockout. It's three to one Callum Smith on points. Twenty five to one on Najam on knockout, and twenty to one that Najam wins this on a decision. This is very disrespectful pricing. Now, obviously, Callan Smith is going to win this, but he's not going to win this as convincingly as Anthony Joshua. This isn't a, a mismatch. Nick Jam, um, a few months ago, caused a massive, massive upset in December when he beat Britain's Martin Murray. And that was supposed to be a fight for Murray to win, to set up this major all British clash with Callum Smith, which Callum Smith would have won anyway. Callum Smith is an, is an unbelievable fighter, um, in my opinion. But it didn't happen. Martin Murray was upset by uh, Nick Jam, who is a fighter who's only got three losses on his career, and none of them have been for a stoppage. He's lost on points, and he's lost via retirement. So he's a tough guy to get out of, and for Callum Smith to be one to four to knock him out, I don't agree with that. Callum Smith himself is obviously um, an unbeaten fighter. He's slowly um, building up enough credibility to earn himself a massive payday, which will be a massive fight on downs against Canelo Alvarez. He will need to be unbeaten. He will need to get through this fight. Um, he's got 25 wins out of 25 fights, but only 18 via KO. So he's not predominantly just knocking out opponents left and right. He has gone to point seven times in his career. So it does, again, lend more weight to the fact that Callum Smith probably shouldn't be a one-to-four favourite to knock out a pretty credible opponent here. A, a guy who was a bit of a, a party pooper who came in and didn't, didn't let that um, Callum Smith, Matt Murray fight transpire. He got in the way of it. He upset the odds and he did it in England. He beat a British fighter on English shore. That's how comfortably he won that fight on points. So this isn't a mug by any means. As we looked at in the last round, we look at the group round betting. We're going to go straight to the one to six and seven to 12 market. And here it's a complete split. Callan Smith is six to four and win it in rounds one to 12 and six to four into winning in rounds seven to 12. Unlike the Joshua fight, I certainly favour 7-12 to 12 here. Um, I don't think you're getting this guy out in six rounds, especially bearing in mind he's never been stopped before. And um, it would be a massive achievement for Callum Smith to do it that early. I do expect Smith to be the first person to stop him in his career. But even if he won this fight on points, I would still think it would be a relatively successful US debut, as long as he looks good in doing so. The round line has been set at over or under 7.5. And uh, I like this one to go over 
7.5. So I do think that the, the eighth round of this fight will start. And that's where I would put your bet there at, at 10 to 11. I think that may be even safer than taking Callum Smith in rounds 7 to 12 because all you need to do is um, is negotiate um, the is negotiate the eighth round. In fact, I'm looking around and there's there's, be, there's better markets than the um, than the 7.5 market. You can just take the eighth round or over. Um, so it's it's under or over. So it's under eight rounds at 10 to 11, or eight round and over at 10 to 11. So that will give you points as well. So all you would need there is the eighth round to start. It's a deceptive mark. You have to be careful with it because if you bet over 7.5 rounds at the same fight, you need another minute and a half because even though seven rounds is gone, you need half of the eighth round to win that bet. So it's not worth it. You need you need to find a better market. So make sure you're careful with that because a lot of people look at seven and a half and you see the number there. It's in your head, seven, seven, seven. I've got to get past round seven. Well, no, you need a minute and a half from round eight. The say even though it's even though it says number eight in it, uh, to take eighth round or over is is a better bet than taking over 7.5. Um, it's a mistake that a lot of people make with boxing, but um, I'm here obviously to, to point that out to you because it's often something that causes quite a bit of um, confusion. Looking at a couple of other fights on this card, um, as usual, Katie Taylor is fighting on an Anthony Joshua card. She's fighting against uh, Delphine Pearson. She's a 1-14 to favourite and Pearson's 8-1. to uh, Taylor's three to one to win this by a knockout. Pearson's thirty-three to one to win it by a knockout. Katie Taylor is two to five to win it by a decision, and Pearson's eight to one, eight to one to win it by a decision. I like Katie Taylor to win this on points. Um, she tends not to really knock people out uh, as she continues to move up and fight better quality opponents. They are more durable, but I think there's no doubt in my mind that Katie Taylor is the best boxer in the world. I don't think anybody's really going to challenge. It wouldn't at this point in time until some young new whippersnapper comes through. I, I pretty much see Katie Taylor remaining unbeaten for the next two or three years, but predominantly, um, predominantly, I see her winning this on points as she as she usually does. Um, it's only two to five, so I'd be looking to possibly parlay that up with something, uh, maybe something from the um, Callum Smith fight, maybe lower the rounds, maybe just go over over five rounds or something, and then parlay it with Katie Taylor. Maybe that might be a way to go. Um, it's really up to you guys how you play that one. If you want my official picks. Go to my official website, lockbetting.com, where we'll be making official picks on all of this card. Obviously, this is a podcast where we'll be making leans on these fights. There will be one lock at the end for the boxing, and there'll be one lock at the end for the UFC. So stay tuned to the end to hear that. Final fight I'm looking at is uh, Chris Algieri versus Tommy Coyle, where Chris Algieri is the one to three favorite. Tommy Coyle is the three to one underdog. It's uh, two to one. Algeria wins by knockout. It's five to one. Call wins by knockout. It's even money. Algeria by decision, and it's six to one on Coil. Chris Algeri doesn't really have a great history of knocking people out in his career. He's only got eight wins via KO. He's had twenty six fights, twenty three wins, eight wins by KO, and three losses, including losses to. Um, Errol Spence and uh, including a loss to to Amir Khan as well. I mean, he's only he's lost to three 
world-class fighters. Manny Pacquiao, Amir Khan, and Errol Spence. I will be surprised if he ends up losing here uh, to Tommy Coyle, fighter with 29 fights, 25 wins, 12 wins by KO and four losses. Um, Coyle has lost to far more average fighters than Algeri has. So I imagine Algeri comfortably wins this fight and uh, probably wins it on points. It's actually good value on taking Algeri at the one to three there. So that may be a good one to pair up with Katie Taylor. So taking Katie Taylor at two to five on points and Chris Algeri just to win outright. I think you couldn't, you can't go far wrong betting that because um, that could certainly be a way to go. So that, pretty much finishes up the boxing here for this portion of the show the lock for the boxing portion i'm gonna have to go with the big fight i'm gonna go with anthony joshua to win his fight in rounds one to six at 10 to 11 cannot see ruiz getting to the seventh round on, on cardio alone um, i can see him just giving up on himself and looking for a way out of this fight He's got his payday. Um, it will be fairly respectable if he gets past three rounds. Uh, in contrast to that, Anthony Joshua needs this fight to be finished in under four or five rounds in order to make a statement. Uh, all, all the all, all all things are aligned here for. Um, for Anthony Joshua to to cash this bet for us and win it in rounds one to six. At this point, I'm going to play you that clip that I said I was going to play from ESPN First Take, where they confronted Anthony Joshua about the the lack of activity here in heavyweight division between the top fighters. Good to meet the champ. Yes. Well, we've had some uh, guys visiting us that had some comments about you. Mm. I want to first play Tyson Furies and get your reaction. Cool? For me, Anthony Joshua needs to prove himself on the world stage because he's so happy fighting in England and he fought a beaten Klitschko after I destroyed him mentally and had a war with him in a, in a beaten fighter. So he needs to prove he's willing to step up to the plate and, and fight the best. You heard that call to yeah, action. Yeah. My, my yeah, take on I that. I want your take on that. Yeah, Tyson Fury's got his opinion. Uh -huh. He's a credible fighter, so his word is valid and correct. And that's why we're chasing his fights. So I put a massive offer in for the uh, fight Tyson Fury in London, April the 13th. Um, so I've gone about my business trying to achieve what he's saying. But the only other fight he has on his record, better than mine or equivalent to mine, is Deontay Wilder. We've, I fought Vladimir, he fought Vladimir, I fought other good fighters as well. So Joseph Parker and others. Joseph Parker, Povetkin. Mm -hmm. I think Tyson Fury has had Vladimir Klitschko and Wilder and that's it in his 10-year career. So I understand his frustration as well because he's probably going through the same thing. He wants to prove himself at world stage and I do too. But we put an offer in for Fury and hopefully I'll meet him very, very soon in the boxing room. Because I got here I, talking I, about it is, is irrelevant. Yeah, I, in the boxing room. Listen, I, 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 I'd eventually like to see you with Tyson Fury. I ain't gonna lie, but I got you know you, you and I talked about this face to face when we met in the playoffs yes, last year. You yes, know sir. what my number one target is, Deontay Wilder. Wilder. He showed up on this show as well to talk about you, and dare I say he wasn't that respectful? Listen to the man talk, talking about you, Anthony. I've tried to fight Joshua five times. It's record. Five times, and all of a sudden he come to America where he said he would never have to come. Uh, let's stay in our country, yeah? You deserve it here, yeah? We don't need to go nowhere. We've done a great job here, yeah? The fans deserve it. But all of a sudden, not only he come to my country, he's not fighting the champion. He's fighting lower opposition. 
your response to that. I want to know what you have to say about Deontay Wilder basically accusing you of avoiding him and running from him. Your response. The floor is yours. Why sit here and talk about it? Let's just meet in the ring and get it on. Talk is cheap now. I've done enough of that talking business. I'm a fighter, and that's why I want to handle my business. Don't tell Wilder when you're ready. Come see me at a table. Don't come through your promoters and that no more. Come sit with me man to man across the table, and let's get this fight sorted. Then there's no pity patty or who said, she said. It's me and him, man on man. Hopefully, me and him can negotiate this fight ourselves. Anthony, when you knocked out um, Vladimir Klitschko, mm -hmm. You knocked him out. Fury decisioned him, and it looked like Klitschko wasn't very motivated, but he was won the lineal title. Mm -hmm. He's the man who beat the man, trace him back to John L. Sullivan. Yeah. You fought him afterwards, but Fury looked like he was out of boxing, maybe never to return. Correct, yeah. And, and you fought a very motivated Klitschko who was great on that night, and you got up off the deck to knock him out. And at that moment, there was a consensus around you. This guy's going about it the right way. He's, he's not afraid. He's taking on it. And since then, yeah, because yeah. Wilder and Fury fought each other, Correct. because Wilder fought King Kong Ortiz, that's considered yeah. a very dangerous fight. It feels like they have they have come up, and the and the sense that 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 good feeling around you has somewhat diminished. Like, wait a minute, is AJ serious about fighting mm -hmm. these guys? Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? I feel that type of energy that's kind of spread around the heavyweight division is good because I feel like people have realized, like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder have been professional eleven years, and in their whole career they were fighting cab drivers and bin men. So I think they now realize, hang on, there's this young kid coming up four years after us and he's doing it at a quicker pace so we need to step our game up then it comes to a situation where it's like they wanted to blacklist me they don't want to fight me so with Ortiz we offered Ortiz the fight so how can someone say I don't want to fight these guys when I've made them like proper solid contractual but do you worry that the that the boxing public no, will start no, no, no. to perceive it that way if yeah. you don't actually figure out a way to get in the ring with these guys no man everyone's entitled to their opinion i know what's real an opinion is opinion i know what's facts we gave them offers if they want to fight the ring's there the contract's there and i'm here ready to defend my titles what more can i say opinions are opinions i know the reality of the situation and as a fighter this is what i do for a living i i, I live off of these challenges I wouldn't box if I could. If I was just to be like a sparring partner in the gym, I wouldn't take it as serious. I live off of fighting in front of many, many people around the world, um, challenging for the belts, defending the belts. I've been doing this since an amateur. I've been doing it as a pro. Nothing changes. This is what I love to do. So um, there's no fear in my heart from any man. And uh, whoever's serious and ready, like Andrew Ruiz, put his name on a contract and the fight was made. No nonsense. He's a good fighter. Well, there's a, de there's a debate as to who's the man in the heavyweight division between you and Deontay Wilder. But my thing is this. You're so elite right now. And he's so elite right now. It's like a three-headed monster in the heavyweight division. You, him, and obviously Tyson Fury. Anybody else, and listen, Max knows his boxing backwards and forwards. We all know that. And I'm not trying to act like there's no other credible fighters. But I'm just talking about names, headlines. You're talking about Anthony Joshua here. I mean, you getting in, if you getting in, how many opportunities are there to really fight these other guys? Doesn't it have to get to a point where it's you against one of those two? Because I don't know if any anyone's interested really in seeing you against anybody else after this weekend i really don't so with that being said as i said it would be good for me and wilder to sit down and talk and get this fight negotiated and spoken about for the next i spoke to my promoter i spoke to the team and i said look god willing i get past saturday you know i want next how are we going to make this happen and i've just come to the decision where it's important for me and wilder to sit down man to man and 
you know, iron out our differences and get this fight made. So you will move the producers out of the way. And I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the promoters out of the way. And you will say, look, let's get, let, we're doing this. You're, you're very clear about that. Yeah, me and him should talk 100%. Okay. And I should do that with all the rest of the fighters because from promoter to promoter, I look at the situation with Ortiz. We offered them a big deal. The promoter turned down the deal. Then Ortiz says he wanted to fight. It's just back and forth, back and forth. So hopefully we can go direct and see who's serious and who's because not. because there's the urgency on the part of the people who not only handle them but handle you, especially you. You yeah. can pack, you can pack Wembley or you can pack fifty, sixty thousand easy, no matter who you fight over there. Mm. So there's you generate enormous money no matter who you fight, right. unless you take it into your own hands, right? Yeah. What urgency is there for the people around you to make those fights? That's weird, like. It's like coming here, I could have stayed in London fighting in front of 50, 60,000 people fighting the guy from around the corner, but I want these challenges, so if I can't make it happen out there, we're coming here to kind of not take part, but aim to take over sooner or later. That's, That's what makes this division so great. You're like that, and I believe Wilder and Fury are also I, like I believe that. they want to fight. Yeah. Exactly that. They are definitely like that. But at the end of the day, you want to do the talking in the ring. 100%. All right. Best yeah. of luck to you. Hopefully thank this will so happen. Good and then you, you'll man. be back here to discuss all that. Too. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Thank you Lucky to be in this heavyweight effort right now. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see they actually confronted him about it and straight up said that nobody really wants to see these fights. They only want to see the fights between you three. And uh, obviously some typical Joshua bullshit answers there. I want to sit down face-to-face with the fighters, no promoters, settle our differences. Well, you settle your differences in the ring, dickhead. That's why you're having the fight. You don't you don't settle differences before the fight. You don't conduct business meetings one-to-one. They're not done between fighters unless you're fucking Floyd Mayweather who can basically represent himself. Every fighter in history has had a promoter. Even Oscar De La Hoya had a promoter before Oscar De La Hoya created Golden Boy. So in the history of boxing, that isn't happening. And you could see Max's face when he said it. It's absolute bullshit to issue that. That's just something that's thrown out there for Joe Public to eat up and go, yeah, yeah, look, Joshua wants it. Joshua actually wants to sit down face-to-face. Fuck the promoters. Ain't no way in any business in the planet is any kind of celebrity or athlete forsaking their agent to go into negotiations for themselves. It doesn't even happen with top college players that come out of um, that come out of college and look for contracts with the NBA or the NFL nobody self negotiates uh, nobody especially negotiates fights themselves between boxers one to one that was absolute bullshit uh, as was the comment about cab drivers and bin men when he's had one of the most um, softest paths to to victories that we've ever seen. I mean, he fought nobody in his first 10, 15 fights. So, I mean, that's that, you can throw that at a lot of people. Like, his opponent this weekend, Ruiz, has fought nobody. Uh, even Canelo Alvarez, who's had all of those fights, but it was 30 nobodies at the start of his career. It's, it's common to do that in boxing, but when you get to a certain point, you can't keep having these kind of fights. Like, you have to forsake the tomato can fights you have to finish if you're only fighting twice a year see gone are the times when Anthony Joshua is fighting every two months and he's and he's getting experience and he's going up the rounds and he's going from um, four round fights to six round fights to ten round fights to twelve round fights he now only fights championship fights he only fights two times a year if that and um, they're championship caliber fights he's a world champion now three belt champion you don't have cushy 
easy, winnable fights. Um, no, you don't put yourself into no lose situations. I mean. Obviously, a lot of people will point to Tyson losing to Buster Douglas when Buster Douglas was a 42 to 1 underdog and, and anything's happened, anything can happen and everybody's got a puncher's chance. Yeah, they have, but it's not really going to happen, is it? Um, I mean, Anthony Joshua's not going to lose this weekend to Andy Ruiz. I mean, I'd be hilarious if he did because it would throw this entire thing into a state of confusion and um, and really open things up. But uh, maybe that's what it's going to take. Maybe it's going to take a Dylan White to, to stop a Tyson Fury Maybe it's going to take an Ortiz to stop a Wilder again. I hold back on my criticism of Wilder, as I said. I'm a Dante Wilder fan, um, and that's and that's me coming from an English person. I respect Dante Wilder more than our fighter. I will go out to the to states to watch him, like I did two weeks ago when he took on Dominic Brazili, because I don't think Wilder is the problem in his situation. Fighting Tito Ortiz, fighting um, Ortiz, Luis Ortiz is a dangerous fight. It's a very dangerous fight. Dominic Brazili was his mandatory. Dominic Brazili was an ex-champion. I don't think that uh, Wilder would stray away from fighting Ortiz again, which and, he, and he's going to. Uh, he was in trouble in that fight, so what's he going to do? He's going to have a rematch. He's confident he can beat Tyson Fury. If he needs to fight Joshua Parker, he will. If he, if he needs to fight... Pavokin, he will, and it certainly will fight Anthony Joshua because that is the money fight. Um, so I, I don't buy into what Anthony Joshua says in that interview at all. Um, I'm just watching the guy, just looking at his like body language and, and the way that he conducts himself. There's a there's a there's a disingenuousness about there about him, and um, I, I find the guy to be very um very very dishonest and dislikable and i'm not an anthony joshua fan at all as you guys have probably gathered but he's our lock this weekend so we will be supporting him to win the fight in rounds one to six obviously if you want official picks on the rest of the fights head over to my website lockbetting.com to see how we um put those fights together same goes for the ufc as there will be a um a ufc card this weekend a fight night coming to you from stockholm and it will be headlined by Smith versus Gustafsson, two guys who have uh, recently succumbed to John Jones, and uh, both guys are pretty much in a um, in a must win situation here um, in order to secure themselves uh, a title fight in the future. So let's have a look at the. Um, the card or the, or the main fights from this week and let's preview UFC fight night from this Saturday I think I have the potential to be one of the greatest and most exciting fighters the UFC has ever seen what a fascinating addition to the light even scratch the surface of what I'm capable of. The only way that I'm going is up and straight to the time. people are really disciplined, tough people. When we decided to do something, we showed successful. Alexander Gustafson has had some incredible fights inside the octagon, but perhaps his finest performance was against John Jones in the UFC White It's all said and done. People are going to be shocked. I see myself much better today. I see myself much more mature. I want a title 
Russia. So yeah, that will be the main event this weekend. Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Smith. Two guys who put in their best performances of their careers in defeats against John Jones. So that says a lot about the dominance of John Jones in this light heavyweight division. Um, whoever wins this fight, and if they do somehow manage to secure themselves another future title shot against John Jones, is going to be the same outcome. So in that sense, it makes the fight kind of irrelevant in my opinion because I feel that the, the ship has sailed for Alexander Gustafsson to be ever become a world champion and I don't think Anthony Smith was quite ever there in terms of being that caliber of fighter um, in terms of who wins this one and, and how we make money on this fight well Alexander Gustafsson is the 4-11 to favorite Anthony Smith is at 9-4 to um, it's a main event fight, so it's a five-round fight. It gives Alexander Gustafsson plenty of time to to finish this fight, and um, he he's six to four to do that via TKO KO. He's obviously not going to win it by submission, which is ten to one. Smith is four to one via TKO, and he's seven to one via submission. Uh, Alexander Gustafsson two to one via decision. Anthony Smith fourteen to one via decision. Now, I think that. Um, we have to look at taking Gustafsson here via the, the TKO. Um, obviously, Gustafsson as a selection at 4 to 11 is quite decent to add to any of the parlays that you potentially do. Um, I think that previewing this as a, a lone main event, um, I think that Gustafsson is going to have too much for him. Um, he is a, Smith is a heroic fighter, but going up against someone who's taller, rangier, a crisper boxer, um, a superior gas tank, he has a superior gas tank, he can wrestle if he needs to. I think in, in nearly every facet of MMA, uh, this is a very winnable fight for, for Alexander Gustafsson, and I think that's the way we have to go for it. I think looking at the individual prices, as I said, knockout is the way to go, KO or TKO. I don't think this one will go to points, although I do expect it to go over um, the line here of the 2.5 rounds. I do think we may see the championship rounds here, although I'm not advocating that as, as an official bet at all. But um, I, I really just am leading towards the, the home fighter here, sending the fans happy uh, and a victory for Alexander Gustafsson at 4-11. to as we look down the rest of the card, there isn't a load of stuff that I love on this card, to be to be honest with you. Um, I like... Uh I like the fight between Rakic and Jimmy Wanawa. Um, there's 12 years difference between them, and um, Rakic is 27, and Jimmy Manawa's 39. And I think Jimmy Manawa's time has certainly come and gone. I think the best days of his career are over. And I say this as somebody who is English, and Jimmy Manawa is an English fighter who I've supported throughout his career. He's also somebody that I've known at one time. Uh, when I was a club promoter, he would come in regularly. He was a guy that once introduced me to, to David Hay, which I was very grateful for because David Hay was a world champion at the time. So he's a cool guy. He's a fighter that I really like and uh, pains me to say this, but I, I don't see Jimmy Manawa winning many fights for the remainder of his career, especially not against a guy who 
is 12 years younger than him, has far more attributes to him. I think if this is a wrestling match, it favours Rakic. I think if it's about who's better on their feet, it favours Rakic. Rakic can also strike. Manuel has one chance of winning this fight, which is via knockout. And I don't think that's beyond him because he's always going to have a puncher's chance because he is a knockout artist. And give him 15 minutes in the ring and it is a possibility that he will knock you the fuck out. But I think looking at the attributes of these two fighters looking at what Rakic is good at, looking at what Mano is good at, looking at the ages, looking at the stages of career, I think Rakic is a good bet on this card to, to beat the aging and fading Jimmy Manoa. Um, one more fight that I, or two more fights I want to look at here, uh, Sergi Kandosko versus Rostim Akman. I sound like Sean here trying to pronounce these names. Uh, both guys making their UFC debut. Akman is 6-0. and um, but he's from Sweden and I premised that as a negative and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, Kandosko has uh, over 30 professional fights and is the favourite to win this fight. He's available at 4-6, to six, so minus 150 US price. Uh, Ackman has a lot of uh, amateur fights before he turned pro, but Kandosko has the experience there and, and is far more ready for UFC. Ackman also took this fight on a week's notice because another fighter uh, pulled out, whereas Kandosko has been preparing this for a long time. Now, when I look at the Swedish element of it, that's why he's in here because he's a Swede who's who's credible enough to come in as a replacement. But I don't really think that he has a real chance to win. Um, they obviously saw this as an opportunity to get him in on this card. Um, he has the credible record. He's Swedish. Uh, ticks a lot of boxes here. But one box that I don't think that I can tick is for him to be a winner in this fight. Um, if you do think he can win this fight, he's available at 2-1. to one. But for me, I think this is a very easy win for Kandosko, um, possibly via a take, the TKO. Uh, I think this gets finished inside two rounds. I think it's a bit of a mismatch. Um, another fight that I like here is... Um, Frank Camacho to beat Nick Hain, and that's on the, the, the prelim show, Nick Hain, sorry. Um, yeah, this one is uh, a good opportunity, in my opinion, for for us to, to get somebody at minus 110 in a fight that I think that um, he can comfortably win. And the reason this is at 110 is because um, Frank Camacho um, has managed to to lose three of his last four fights and was um, horrifically knocked out in his most recent fight. But his opponent, Nick Hain, who is a judo expert, doesn't seem to want to use that judo when he fights in the UFC. Against Dharma Handazgovic, um, he was outcast on his feet, but he seems to want to just stand there and fight. He doesn't have the reach or the height, or the striking technique, or the brain power, quite clearly, uh, to win these kind of brawls, and, and doesn't seem to have the um, to be savvy enough to to do what needs to do to to win fights. So, looking at the fact that Camacho has a half foot advantage and um, has quite a lot of experience in dragouts and slugfests, I think he could win this one, and I think he's a really good price. If this is being priced up as a pick'em, and if you can get this at minus one ten for both men. 
definitely have a bit of money on uh, Frank Camacho because I think that um, he should have been the favourite in this fight. And I think the the three losses in the last four fights have obviously affected the line here, as they as they would. But looking at this fighter versus fighter and looking at these two, how they fought previously, I have to go with uh, Camacho here to win this one. And that is my only pick from the... Uh, as one of my, that's, so I've got two picks, sorry, from the main card and two picks from the from the prelim. I wasn't sure if that Candosco uh, fight was on the prelims, but it but it is. So, um, yeah, two from the prelim there, two from the main card. Um, obviously, my official picks will be going out on my official website, lockbetting.com. Com. So that is it from the bike show. If you want more content, head over to my website, lockbetting.com. There is going to be an additional show for the Champions League where we'll be looking at a few other markets that we didn't cover here on the SGP. However, there is a Champions League show available for free on the SGP network. It also covered the Europa League where we were victorious with our season pick. We picked it very early on. Chelsea were the Europa League champions and that did cash in for us we were on that twice so big money winner for us massive month for us so far we are knocking on the door of five thousand pounds profit this month we have a tennis pick and an mlb mlb pick pending so hopefully they cash tonight and uh, we will be able to reach that five grand tally if we don't it doesn't matter that's still six and a half thousand dollars profit for my members who are only paying 125 dollars for that top pack for that top package you will be added to a whatsapp group where you get a monthly PL and you will get in play bets instantly and you will get 24 7 access to me where you can ask any question about uk markets us markets or where to bet these are the most common questions I get, but you can ask me literally anything. You can even ask me about WWE. There will be a WWE pay-per-view next week, WWE Super Showdown, but I'll be covering that exclusively on lockbetting.com. I will not be touching that on next week's fight show. Next week's fight show will primarily be concentrating on the Triple G fight and the UFC card. So if you want the WWE Super Showdown content, if you want that preview, it's over on lockbetting.com. In addition to that, on lockbetting.com, there's a preview of the 2019 Cricket World Cup. So if cricket's your bag, and you fancy winning some money this summer betting on the cricket, the World Cup preview will be exclusively on lockbetting.com. It is available now, as are the exclusive French Open picks. As I said to my members, the $60 soccer package that I normally do is now being transformed to a tournament package due to the fact that we have less soccer going on in these next two months with the European teams currently not playing. So um, well, there being no European soccer. So we will be covering MLS. We will be covering the Nations League. We will be covering the Copa America. We will be covering all of the transfer activity plus We'll be giving you all tournament plays for free from the Tennis Grand Slams, the Rugby World Cup, and the Cricket World Cup. So all of the World Cups will be will be thrown in with the soccer. So this month, for these next two months only, for the months of June and July, the soccer pack will be the soccer and tournament pack. So it'll be soccer plus the Cricket World Cup, plus the Rugby World Cup, plus the Tennis Grand Slam. So that will cover um, the French Open and Wimbledon. However, if you want all of my picks, if you want the NBA, where this season we are 51 and 20, if you want the MLB, if you want the UFC, if you want the WWE, if you want the boxing, if you want everything that I do, and you want to qualify for this PNL, and you want it to be part of the £4,700 that we've won this month, which is over $6,000 for US customers then you need to sign up at lockbetting.com and go for the top package for $125 go and have a look at the P&L it's absolutely free to go over to my website the P&L will be added 
tomorrow we'll be going up on the website a full calculation of um, what we did in the month of may you can go for it with a fine tooth comb you can speak to other members on there it's, it's not disputed it's not fake it's not it's not up for debate we are absolutely killing it month after month i have not failed to make a profit even though i have a profit guarantee since 2014 when i started here five years ago i have not failed to make a profit on one single month i have not had to refund a single customer be it on dirtyjesus.net or be it on lockbetting.com or the dirty sheets not a single person has ever cashed in on the money back guarantee because a profit has been secured every single month even the worst month that we ever had where we only made a 400 pound profit a 400 pound profit was my worst month ever and that came off the back of a terrible terrible euro 2016 which was one of the most difficult football tournaments i ever bet i stay i still came through with a profit with my other bets um, including having a successful year with wimbledon that year with the tennis so i always make a profit you're safe if you sign up with me head over to lockbetting.com right now that's it for me good luck with all of your bets